Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to 3, a part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Gil Gross, joined as always by Joel Drucker and Amy Lundy. The 2023 Wimbledon draws are out. And as always, we will bring a Novak Djokovic focus. So let's start with uh, a man who's the number two seed, but a prohibitive favorite, a far bigger favorite uh, than he is at the other slams. Generally speaking, uh, remember only about a month ago, he was coming into Roland Garros as far as the odds were concerned as uh, the non-favorite. But it's felt like at Wimbledon, and this isn't the first year that this is the case, it's felt like it's difficult to actually uh, envision him, you know, losing to, uh, to, to some of the contenders. It feels like there's a real gap. Joel, why do you think that is, uh, as, long, as long as you agree with that? I do agree with that, Gil. And I think a reason for that, like Novak, obviously, he's always been a favorite in Australia, but there are a lot of guys who can contend well with him on the hardcore surface. I think the intangibles that surround Wimbledon from the venue to the grass to even the rain delays, all of this, he's so mastered. He's so mastered. I was looking at him 86 and 10 at Wimbledon, seven titles. So his, the, his gap is even further because not nearly as many people have done well at Wimbledon. Wimbledon is so much its own surface, its own venue. And I think that's what gives him a, a considerable advantage over all the 127 other guys in the draw. Parallel to what Joel is saying, I think we in the sport of tennis, fans, journalists, we think so much about surface and who does well on this surface. Is it clay? Is it hardcore? Is it grass? And it's remarkable that Novak has established himself over all the surfaces. So it it actually, in some ways, becomes less about surface and more about his state of mind, his fitness, all of which seem to be in excellent form. And he has, you know, figured out Wimbledon. He's got a lot to motivate him. He's looking at Rogers Wimbledon record. He's got potentially the calendar slam to think about. So I think he's in a really good position. Yep. Similar to 2021 coming into Wimbledon where, you know, you're, you're thinking about the grand slam at this point. We'll, we'll talk about what the effect of that is. Uh, he's won the last four Wimbledons. He hasn't lost a completed match at the all England club. Uh, since 2016, because he had the the retirement match. Uh, is that against Burdick? Burdick, Burdick, Burdick yes. Uh, that was in 2017. That was the the elbow year, and things kind of went off the rails there. But Amy, uh, I, I I agree that the surface. I mean, look, I think he's established himself as the most surface versatile player in the history of tennis. But I do think that grass is easier for him than clay. Uh, I just think it's a little bit, it, it helps him out a bit. And one of the main areas, I guess we can start here. Let's, let's talk about the technical advantages with Novak on grass. 
For me, it starts with movement. I don't know if it's ankle flexibility or balance and what it is, but the way he moves around the grass and is able to kind of trust his, his traction because of how well he slides on the surface. I feel like he's just three notches above everybody else in his ability to defend and cover the court where I think most players, they say, wow, I can't really move too well on, on this grass. I don't defend well, <laughs> right? But Novak just, he does. I'm, I'm looking at it, I'm, I'm noodling these thoughts and we've been talking about this a few times. Absolutely, it's the movement and it's the faith in the movement and it's the discipline and it's the balance. And the fact that the other guys who haven't played as much on grass, haven't done as well on grass, they don't trust in their movements. They don't know what their movement is. And then we all know when we're not, you know, it reminds me when I go hiking sometimes, right? I'm not quite ah, easy, careful. And Novak, he has that tremendous base, a tremendous posture. And I don't think it's, I don't think, I think it's rarely defense. Yeah, he's reacting to balls a lot. And once, once, once in a while, he's got to really scramble deeply into a corner. But a lot of it, a lot of the game we know is dealing with the ball right in front of you. You know, it's not, it's, it's not always, a, it's, it's rarely a mad dash in tennis. It's mostly here and there and here and there. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm finding language. I'm exploring things with martial arts, with dance, with movement, something beyond defense. You know, because the defense, it's like that's we're borrowing from the team sports when we talk about that. Like he's just reacting to someone putting him back on his heels. How how, how often he's he's in control of so much of so many points, isn't he? I think he you need to be able to get low on grass and he can get so low he can easily get into a split. We've seen that. Uh, the serve is important, and his serve is excellent, um, much improved from earlier in his career. You have to be able to volley. He has volley skills. He has pretty much every shot in the bag. And you have to have good anticipation, and he is probably the best in the world at that. Yeah, I, I, would, add, I would add redirection also, uh, going down the line. Uh, the more you go cross-court on grass, the more... Uh, your opponent is going to hurt you. Um, so, you know, you need to be the one, to Joel's point, being the aggressor. And Amy, to your point, I think the, the serve, the spot serving in particular, that's gotten so good, it allows him to, yeah, rely on that. That uh, Joel, I, I mean, but what do you think of this term? You're talking about emergency situations. When you're saying it's a small percentage of points where you're actually scrambling, and you're on your heels and the ball is, you know, nearly out of reach. Um, that's one turn. Like you're, you're saying emergency situations are rare for Novak. Well, right. But I'm also right. Because so, so that's why I want to transcend this offense defense language, you know, like a great shot blocker in basketball might be thought of as more of an offense catalyst than he might be thought of as a defense reactor. And Novak, when you see a lot of these points he's playing, it's like, well, how about a serve plus two? Do you see what I mean? A return plus two. And it's a way of building points and applying this pressure. And, and we were talking about his skills and all these skills that are getting more and more better. And he's he's reminding us of what a complete player is. For so long, the thought of the complete player was one who, who came to net frequently and he had good ground strokes. But maybe it's not so much that. Maybe the complete player has this base of being able to drive the ball. And as you say, redirect, but redirect with power. I mean, he's not, um, he's not Rodwanska just 
absorbing and redirecting. He's mm-hmm. redirecting forcefully in an Agassi-like way. Absolutely. With a, with a level of precision that helps so much on grass because the surface provides you the speed. It's not about hitting the ball 100 miles per hour. If you can move the ball around and find depth and hit close to the lines, the, the court is going to help your pace uh, kind of get through. Uh, before we get into the draw, uh, let's talk about the challenges for, for Novak. I mean, we've talked about the field and the lack of grass experience. We don't need to harp on that necessarily um, if we don't want to. I, I, I kind of look at two challenges for, for Djokovic beyond opponents, and I think these two challenges are greater than opponents. It's one, uh, the pressure, the nerves, the tightness of the Grand Slam, which I think we saw a little bit of in 2021. Uh, but then I think even above that, in, in my kind of ranking of, of challenges is uh, the fact that for most of this season, despite Djokovic having won the first two majors of the year, his body hasn't cooperated uh, to the fullest extent. There have been a lot of moments in the year uh, from January to the Roland Garros lead up where it's felt like Novak is dealing with stuff and trying to fight his body. And after winning the French, you know, he, he's gotten a lot of questions. It's like, Novak, you're amazing. You're, you're, you're young. Like it's, it's like you're 24. It's like you're 25. And he's actually corrected people. He's been like, yeah, I know I'm playing well, but believe me, my body is not reacting the same way as it was when I was 25. So it's not the same thing. So to me, the biggest, like what could go wrong for Novak is the pattern of kind of difficult, uh, body stuff continues well the draw will be interesting to see we'll dive into it and we'll see then what the physical potential early round wear and tear could be the possibility there's always a possibility even for someone who moves as well as novak of a of a dangerous tumble on the court and otherwise though i think uh i don't know so are we thinking that gee should he or should have not have played a little more on grass should he have played a, a one a tune-up event in three weeks or maybe not or I don't know. I think Wimbledon is the most forgiving on your physical state. No, I'm not. I, I'm not saying that he should have played uh, a tune-up. And by the way, I, I will throw in this tidbit. Out of his seven Wimbledon titles, he's only played a warm-up once, and that was 2018. So this is par for the course that he hasn't played before Wimbledon. Um, I, he I'm played just... Eastbourne, right? Did he play Eastbourne that year? In 2018, I think Queens. Oh, I thought he played Eastbourne once. He lost okay. to uh, to Chilich in the final. Um, okay. As, as long as my tennis abstract search didn't go haywire in some way, um, no, I'm I'm not suggesting you should play more. I'm just saying, like, if we look at what have been the biggest kind of challenges for Novak, if we're looking at his year beyond, everything's gone perfect. Uh, if you actually look into the nuance, yes, he's won the first two majors, What's but it, it hasn't been an easy year physically. And I, I think that's the one thing, if you're going to tell me right now, if a psychic from the future told me, hey, Gil, Novak actually doesn't win Wimbledon, what do you think happened? I think my answer would be, I bet, I bet he got hurt. Ah. <laughs> uh. See, I'm gonna play. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna forward the physical part m- way more towards the uh, later August, and and the and the summer in North totally America, fair. and the wear and tear of Canada and Cincinnati on into the U.S. Open and the weather and the hard courts. But 
the fact these things are these are kind of like I think of these are um micro concerns in a way for Novak. I get it. He's thirty six, and he 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 makes a point of saying that occasionally, like, hey, hey, I'm not I'm not twenty six. I gotta monitor things. But I think I don't know. And I think again, and then the distance between him and the others, since we grade competition is grading on a curve, and you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly. I'm not trying to hand him the title, but I'm trying to think of well, who. Who's the right mix that can trigger these things to happen? Well, you guys are maybe hand-wringing a little over the the ticky-tack injuries, but, I mean, I've seen the guy win Australia with a freaking two-inch tear in his ab. So I, I'm yeah. actually – I'm not I'm not uh, as concerned about those because I think he's a master at being able to manage those types of injuries. And if he has to stick a magnet on his chest, he'll do it. He'll figure it out. I uh, Different than you, Gil, I actually think his biggest obstacle is Alcaraz. Fair. Okay. So you think um, it's – you think it's that you – so you see a, a six-match journey – and I'll and a lively Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. I mean, that's fine. I mean, in fact, that's I, I, I that's well, that's that's the real the the bigger mystery question is the other 127 guys of which Alcaraz is clearly the leading contender. Let's work backwards then. Alcaraz wouldn't be before the final. We'll get into the draw. I I don't I I'm kind of I I, I think that's uh, a very very uh, fair. Counterpoint, Amy. Um, Alcaraz looked unbelievable in Queens. Uh, there's really nothing about his game, which is so complete to begin with, uh, that is anti-grass. I mean, some people point to the serve, uh, the the pace absorption on the on the forehand or the forehand getting rushed. But the first thing that came to my mind, Amy, is. Alcaraz would probably handle it mentally a little bit better this time around. If, if he had to play Novak again in the final, do you yeah. think the nerves would be just a little bit settled? Like, okay, I, I, I lost the last one. It was only a month ago. I'm going to kind of correct my mindset and maybe figure out ways to just relax a little bit more. And the, the temperatures are going to be cooler generally in London. I mean, occasionally you get an outlier day, but I think the conditions are going to be more favorable for him, which is going to settle him. And so cramping probably will be less of a concern if it comes to that. And yeah, experience. But look, I mean, I, I give Alcaraz a mental edge over other players that have played many more Wimbledons than he has and played much more on grass. He's just a very special player. Yeah, he's got totally, he's got the skills and he's he's building a playing style. Though nonetheless, what happened to Roland Garros? That, that was a jolt. That was a jolt. That wasn't just, that wasn't just a mini little earthquake tremor. That was, I think, a a jolt and Grant and he and his team, I think, have been thinking about it and, and addressing it. And he's been quite candid about it. And certainly, certainly he'll fare better if he meets Novak in the Wimbledon final, as far as the physical stuff. It's all things point to it from learning. However, it's not like uh it's not like you just fix that. Okay, that was last that that is so that is so Roland Garros. Here I am at Wimbledon, all fresh and new. It's like it's gotta hang over you. It's just yeah. like it's like I mean, we all know this. We've all come back from um, you come back from an injury, and the and and this was this was kind of 
seismic for yeah, him. Yeah, I, I think, but no, but I, I'd be pretty confident that mentally it would be a lot different. Yes, but, but not, but it can't be, but it can't just be like, okay, right. it's gone. I got it. I'm over it. It's like, cause he won't know because that's the thing. It's like a little bit like, Oh God, now we're in the set. And what if it is hot and da, 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 and, and the whole prep, how he, how he even sleeps the night before if he's in that final, all of that, the whole fortnight. My thing is technically it's, it's worse for him. Uh, when I, when I picked Alcaraz in that match, it was, it was mainly like, look, I'd pick Novak, but these conditions are, are tailor-made for Alcaraz to win the match. Now, the mental side was really what decided that contest, uh, which I, I overlooked. Uh, but now, if it, on grass, you get to the technical aspects, the serve return, um, and we should kind of move off of this, but the serve return, the speed of play, the early ball striking, the flatter ball, the taking time away, like all of these things, when it comes to just the technical tennis side of things, that's where now it now it jolts to kind of Djokovic's surface and conditions. That's true because that's right, and, and the experience factor, and the fact that Alcaraz is still get he he won his first grass court title. As, as he, you can almost see this guy, he just things get placed in front of him and he just vaults them. Yeah, okay, I'll win my first. I'll have a tough early round match at Queens, and then I'll go win the title. And and yet, um, it, it, yeah. So look, none of us could have foreseen what was going to happen to him physically, emotionally in Roland Garros. No one foresaw it happening that way. Yeah. So, right. He's, he's a work in progress. He's right. half of his grass or almost half of his grass court wins at the tour level came last week. So yeah, you, can you, see, you can see his game evolving and it, it, it's, there's an unknown factor there, uh, but it's, it's sure is exciting to watch. Amy, what do you make of Djokovic's quarter? I, I kind of in my own head ranked the quarters and I thought that it was the second hardest, I believe. Now it's all relative because it's like second hardest for who? I mean, Hercotch, he's not an easy person to have near you in the draw, but you know, if you're Novak Djokovic, you're pr probably the best returner to ever play tennis. So a big serve, no problem. I've seen this before. So it's all kind of relative. Um, but there were some names in Novak's section that are not easy for anyone by any stretch. I thought Alcaraz actually had the slightly tougher draw. And then the other two draws, in my opinion, are markedly easier for a couple of reasons. The other two quarters. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, Novak's draw, you know, that there's, uh, there, right, I see there's Rublev in the quarters. Yeah, well, of course, you're right. Of course it's on a curve, right? Because in Novak, like, I've beaten all these guys. And none of these guys have done anything at Wimbledon compared to him. I mean, and then there's, uh, you know, Kyrgios, who's seated 30th, but hasn't played. Who knows what's going to come from him and, and, and Bublek. So we've got some interesting, intriguing uh, 
Ajay Alamassim, Alisami, but intriguing, intriguing contenders of intrigue, but we're not uncertain. Yeah, so I looked at it and I said, okay, I don't really see anybody here that I, I find too interesting as a threat. And then I'm like, okay, let's let's catch yourself. Who would you find interesting who's not a top eight seed? Uh, and I, I came up with a couple names. I came up with four names and I said, no top 16 seeds. Like who would be an interesting fourth round? Uh, Korda, Greekspor, Zverev, and Jari. Those were, those were the, the names. So yeah, uh, none of those guys. And I, I really thought, uh, I look at it, and yes, Amy, I agree. I like Hercotch as well, but not really against Novak. Um, and I think, it's a, I think it's a good quarter, but the chances that Novak is going to get a draw that we see and we look at as rough or difficult when you actually, when you actually look at it, those chances are slim. The interesting grass court players are in this quarter are Curios and Bublik. Bublik just won a tournament. But those guys, then this is no insult to them, but they can at times exhibit clownish behavior. And Novak, when he gets into a grand slam, he becomes the wolf. I mean, he locks down. So to me, this is uh, a lot of people thought that the final last year, Djokovic against Curios, was more competitive and more entertaining than I did. I, I saw it as fairly straightforward. But um, what was your question, Gil? <laughs> I didn't have one, but let me respond to that. Oh. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> um, I, I'd be surprised if Nick wins three matches. I mean, yeah. he, he hasn't. He hasn't won a match all year. He tried to come back against uh, Wu Yi Bing. Clearly, wasn't ready. I mean, if if Nick makes the fourth round, that would be actually very impressive. Uh, the the idea that he's so talented that he can just step onto a tennis court uh, without you know any match toughness or fitness built up and just win. Uh, I've always found that to be uh, off base. On the Bublik side, I, you're so right, Amy. I, I left him off my power rankings, and there there were a lot of comments. Bublik, you know, why isn't he there after Hala? It's one week. It's what we saw it for one week. He's never been past the third round of a major, and he's played over 15 of them in his career, and he's 26 years old. And I, I'm not trying to be down on the guy's career. He's had an unbelievable career, made a boatload of money, and I love him. His personality, his entertainment value, love him. But you got to see it for more than one week with a player like that. Like there's no, you've learned your lesson from Medvedev and Rome, not to overreact. No, it's not the same. It's not the same. (laughs) I will forever tease you about that, Gil. (laughs) I I still don't think I overreacted. I'll, I'll be high on Medvedev for, for the next clay court season as well. Um, not looking at maybe not what about may- for grass though. Um, we should, we should maybe briefly touch on his quarter. Go ahead, Joel. Oh, I was just going to say to get, before we go to, I'll talk about Medvedev, but um, Novak, uh, we haven't even talked about it, the unseated. I know he's 38 years old. John Isner never, you know, not, I, I know he's probably past his best days, but kind of just serves somewhat of intrigue on grass, a, a, a trickier problem, a trickier problem for Novak to solve. than I think a Bublik perhaps. You know, it's like, I just, it's just interesting to see again. And what happens, like you said, Amy, 
Novak at slams, Novak the aura, even now more the aura, people less proficient on grass at Wimbledon, what they've done there. I mean, the significance of Wimbledon, because that's another, that's a huge factor compared to all the other majors. Um, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just I, throwing it is or not. I, 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 for all I know, he could lose in the, in the first round too. And there's Musetti who he plays. I, I, it's, I don't know. It's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. And when, when you win something seven times, your draws usually look pretty good. <laughs> who is the name, Joel? I, I missed it in the very beginning. Isner. Isner. Oh, eh. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we don't we don't we're we're not we're not um disposed always to these big servers but again oh okay let's let's put that guy on grass you think Musetti's looking forward to playing him no i also don't think isner has enjoyed wimbledon uh all that much over the years i i he had a semi yeah he had one semi i know but that's it It, it's actually been one of his more inconsistent slams it's intriguing it's funny it's so interesting how the game works all these things that styles toss things in different ways i don't think he needs the surface to help his serve but i i think the low bounce bothers him and that would be my my interpretation of why there's been some inconsistency uh draw as a whole and this kind of goes back to alcaraz um i also ranked his quarter as the most difficult and uh you know i i always do an exercise and i've already mentioned it with the power rankings uh where i actually only rank 10 but then i have some honorable mentions if you give, if you include the honorable mentions, I have six of my top fifteen in Alcaraz's quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Verev, it's Tiafo, it's obviously Alcaraz himself. Uh, it's it's Dimonor, it's Dimitrov, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm missing one. Did you say Tiafo? Rune, Runa. Uh, Runa is the Runa is the one that I I failed to mention. So yeah, that's six of fifteen in one quarter. So to me, that's that's really the the only that's the biggest takeaway of the draw in terms of for me in terms of lopsidedness you know Alcaraz has potentially render neck in the second round that's a guy who just last week took a set off of him it was a very close match and I wrote a whole story about how Carlitos encouraged Archer to challenge a serve at a very pivotal point in the match. And, uh, you know, he was right to, to tell, it was very good sportsmanship. He was right to tell him to challenge, but if that had turned out being um, a bad thing for Alcaraz, he could have lost the match. Mm -hmm. And then he doesn't, that he's out of Queens. That's, that was his first round. So, you know, winning Queens, all the grass court prep that would have been out the window. So I just thought that was really interesting, but um, yeah, it's not an easy draw for Carlitos. There's also, well, we know, we never know how he's playing. There's Berrettini is unseated two, two years ago, got to the finals. I mean, yeah, that's an interesting, that's a great quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Great point. Uh, Berrettini has to rematch Sinego who, uh, who killed him in, in Stuttgart. That's one of the more interesting first round matches, uh, in, in my eyes. What do you think of Medvedev, Amy? Medvedev on grass? (laughs) um didn't he label himself a hard court specialist is that what he okay yeah so that that's not grass um (laughs) you know he he's got an incredible serve and i checked his serve stats of late he's like an ace machine but his grass court lead up to wimbledon was kind of uneven um 
you would think that a guy with his height and his ability to move, he's a good mover, would come into the net, he would serve in volley, or he would return, or he would plus one and come into the net. Um, I think that's his main drawback. In addition to his height, which, as you mentioned with Isner, it can be hard to get down that low. Um, it's like frustrating. He should be a favorite here. And he is at the top of his own quarter. He's one of the top seeds. So I, I find it interesting. And I wrote that a potential matchup between him and Nori could be really interesting because Nori will have the crowd support. And Medvedev actually likes it sometimes when the he gets spicy, sometimes when the crowd's against him. So that's a potential matchup that I have my eye on. I'm I'm intrigued by um possibility of Medvedev and Tommy Paul. See, I think Medvedev, Medvedev, we've we've seen this enough now. Um, not comfortable in the transition part of the court. And that and that's 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 so good on grass, even on contemporary grass. And so the things, I mean, the things that might be might benefit him more on grass. I mean, it'd be interesting. I'd like to see Medvedev play three doubles tournaments a year and learn to volley. I mean, I'll find people, I'll find people who people have never heard of who have uh, better volley technique than Medvedev. I mean, he's really, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting to see a professional tennis player that good, that good at so many things be so uncomfortable in the front part of the court. I wouldn't overlook his potential second round match against Adrian Manorino, who beat him in Hertagenbosch. I, I do think that those first, that first or second match on grass, uh, it, it's tough. Uh, you know, we mentioned Alcaraz almost losing to Rinderknecht. So it's not that it's not that I want to put too much weight into results like that. But uh, Manorino first couple rounds at Wimbledon, even Rafa experienced it last year. That's a that's a nightmare. Um, and I just think for Medvedev, to me, I, I hear what you guys are saying about the transition game. Yeah, I like it when players come forward on grass as well. But if you're not going to come forward you at least need to be offensive from the back of the court. And I just don't, I, I don't think he has enough offensive sensibilities or a, a mindset that is looking to hurt, 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 which is really what helps on grass and what you need on grass. It's like, you cannot be neutral. You have to find a way to grapple control. And I just don't think he does that enough on grass. Right, because the other guy will do it to you. So if he plays Manorino on a hard court, particularly a contemporary slow hard court, well, don't you try to do that to me. I'm going to try to do that to you. And you can't really be as opportunistic. Grass is a surface more for opportunists. And someone like Manorino, who's not that much of a racket head speed. I was just talking to a, a coach recently, and he said, yeah, Manorino looks like a player from like the, the 80s or even the 70s, said, maybe even the 60s. I mean, I, it's very much the kind of, like people like Manorino and even certain different degree demonor these guys aren't as contemporary in their racket head speed work and so the surface helps them but so in a way a guy like medvis saying see these guys are going to do something to you now they can't on hard courts as much but they will mm -hmm. on these courts and they'll take advantage they'll hit angle volleys they'll hit approach shots they'll kind of annoy you in ways that they won't be allowed to do on hard court versus your uh great ground strokes backhand in particular that medvedev has yeah, so uh, we touched on Alcaraz, we touched on on Medvedev, uh, but ultimately where we started was uh, just Djokovic's prowess at Wimbledon and uh, just how remarkable 
his showings have been as of late at the All England Club. Uh, let's see uh, how he carries on. Um, let's end up with just like the Grand Slam factor, uh, just to kind of tie a, a bow on this. Does this affect uh, the tournament at all for Novak that he's going for the calendar Grand Slam? And I mean, hearkening back to 2021, I kind of remember um, how big a deal it was. It it feels like almost the temperatures turned down a little bit on it this year, just because he was in this same position recently. Am I, I don't know if I'm reading that uh, correctly. I'm with, that. I'm with you on that. Also, I think there was a certain, you know, 2021, he came through that Roland Garros, had the exceptionally rough and tumble semi with Nadal and kind of came to Wimbledon. It's like, wow, okay, halfway for the first time. Everything, I think the temperature is more than a little turned down. I think it's way turned down. And and um, remember when he came to Wimbledon 21, there was still also the what's with Roger angle. You know, there are other factors that were making him less the favorite to win Wimbledon. I think he's more of a favorite this year than he was in 21 to win Wimbledon. Don't you guys think so? I think it's yes. similar. Similar, but I think he's more of a, yeah, more of a favorite this year. Yeah, I mean, Roger had the injury thing. It, that was the year he played, what, Chapo and then Berrettini? That's right. So it, it turned out, you know, he was a major favorite in both of the matches at the end there. Um, but we, you know, we shall see. I thought he was tight. I thought he was tight at Wimbledon 2021, uh, but he's just so I, good at, he, he's so good at winning anyway uh, with, with pressure and nerves. Uh, but... I, I I actually would not be surprised if he is not as tight this time around. He's done it before, and it's a familiar position, and he's supremely confident, and I could see him being a little bit more relaxed this time. He also now conclusively won more Grand Slams than anyone, so there's a whole other, you know, it's like, okay, I graduated. Here I am. Look at this. And, you, and you're seeing all these numbers, like the one that showed at one point, I think, Better had 16 slams and Novak's one. And so there's this whole accumulation of body of work that Novak has done. It's like, wow, I guess I really am in the gravy round. You know, and Roger's gone and Rafa's out for now. And he's just kind of has this distance between himself. I think it's going to be, he'll be, now remember, and remember last year though, he, um, he had to fight in a lot of matches. He was down two sets to love versus Sinner. Came back, won that match last year. But I think he's, uh, it's, I, it's going to be fun to watch. I think there's going to be some real chances to see more and more of what makes him so, so great. It's hard to know if, if you've gotten that close to a calendar slam before and you came up short and we know that affected him. He's been pretty open about that. It's hard to know if you've got a shot at it again, would you feel more pressure or is it, look, I've been here before and that year was odd because the Olympics ended up being that year and he was staring ahead to the Olympics. That was, you know, it was a rough year in many ways. Um, I, I would agree. I think the temperature is maybe turned down all things given. How many people get a chance two years later to be halfway and a strong chance of being three quarters. That's unprecedented, so that has its need. Okay, here's again. And look, I went through that, it didn't happen. Life went on. All I did was keep winning titles. That'll do it for this episode of Three. Remember, we are available on all podcast platforms. We appreciate it if you leave a rating and a review on Apple and Spotify. And if you're watching on YouTube, like, comment, and subscribe. We will see you next time on the next episode of Three.